I used as a text the scripture that you see up on the screen. On the last day of the feast, that great day, Jesus stood up and cried out. Now let me pause for a moment. If Jesus were to physically manifest in this church service this morning and sit somewhere among us and we knew it was Jesus, and after sitting there for 15 minutes, he were to get up and cry out, would you think that what came out of his mouth would be something you'd want to pay attention to? I would think if Jesus is crying out, I want to hear what he's saying. Praise the Lord. I would take it as serious. So the Bible says the last day of the feast, Jesus jumped up and he cried out and he said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whosoever believes in me, out of his, as the scripture says, out of his heart or out of his belly, as King James says, shall flow rivers of living water. Hallelujah. Jesus felt that that statement was absolutely a pinnacle statement, one that should rise above other things that he had said. Not that anything that Jesus ever said should be diminished, but he saw that that statement was one that ought to loom prominent in our mind. Out of your belly should flow rivers of living water. Every Christian should have the living water of the Holy Spirit flowing out of our life. I asked the Lord a number of weeks ago to show me what does He want our church to be. I posed to you this question for you to consider. I think I brought this question to you a couple weeks ago. That's a good healthy question to ask. I want to start off with it again today. Where does church come from? Where does church come from? We often use the expression, if we've had a really great service, when it's all over with and people are milling around or maybe getting into their cars, they might say one to another, wow, we had church today. Or wasn't that a great time in church? So that thing, quote, church, we know what we're talking about when we say it. We're not talking about the building or even the songs or, or even the message it's more that intangible presence of God, the flow of the Holy Spirit. That's what makes everything different. You know, you could meet in an old barn that had, had been a place where animals were kept. But if you met there and the presence of God came in it, you'd want to turn it into a memorial afterwards. You'd clean out all the hay. You'd make put paint on everything, put some gold furniture in there and say, this is the place. This is the place, man. This is where it happened. You'd have fond memories. People would come and look at it. We love to do that. We, Peter, James, and John were up at the top of the Mount of Transfiguration when they saw the glory of Jesus. And the only thing they could think to say was, let us build three tabernacles here. But not one church, three churches, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. They knew when they said it, it was a stupid thing to say. And the Lord just calmed them down and said, Now, now, this is my beloved son. Just listen to him. Hallelujah. Because there's more like this to come. And so, where does church come from? Where does that, 
that thing come from that, that makes our gathering wherever it is, two or three are gathered together and God is moving. And it's an event we never forget. I've had more people come to me and say, oh, I remember those days, Pastor. Remember, remember back in the day when we were meeting at Yale University and supernatural miracles would happen and stuff. If you could see that lecture hall that we used to meet in for five years at Yale when nobody was in it, you would think this place is a dungeon. You would never think it was a place of glory, but right in that place that had 300 seats and a big blackboard and some, it was freezing in the winter and boiling in the summer. But that, the, the, the beauty of the Lord would manifest. And I've had more people say to me, remember that? See, it's something that sticks in your mind. We, call, we say, that was church. Man, now that was church. Where does church come from? Where does it come from? When I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what do you want Faith Christian Church to be? What do you want us to be? I mean, I wasn't asking in passing. I was desperate. I'm desperate for a change, desperate to see. I'm tired of talking about what happened, you know, yesteryear. Glory to God. I want to see God doing what he wants to do here and now today. I want this to be the day they talk about generations from now. And so... When I began to ask the Lord, the Lord showed me the artesian well. He began to speak to me. His answer to me about what do you want church to be was an artesian well. And an artesian well is a well, and that's why I put the picture. You're seeing an artesian well, a picture of one in some town in America. I don't even know what town it is. But the artesian well springs up from within the earth under the power of its own pressure. And when you tap it, it's a tap that flows without needing to be pumped. Most wells that you're probably familiar with are the kind you dig and you dig down and dig down and dig down until you hit water and then you lower buckets down in and you, you have to pull the water out. The artesian well, not so. Once you tap it, the power of it just bubbles up. There's a well somewhere in America uh, today that was tapped ba- back in the 1880s well over 100 years ago, and it's still flowing today. Well, I got one better than that 2,000 years ago. Amen. Glory to God. The, the Father's heart was tapped when Emmanuel, Jesus, came into the world. And when he rose from the dead, that thing sprung up, and the well hit the top of that tap and began to overflow on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, and 120 disciples scattered everywhere signs and wonders, people getting saved. Immediately that afternoon, before that initial service was out, 3,000 people got saved. 3,000 people got saved. And so Jesus is that well, and he is still flowing. So the artesian well flows under the power of its own pressure. Now, you can regulate that well once you've tapped it, you've driven a pipe down in, you can regulate it with a spigot and control the flow. Uh, you can turn it on and off when you're thirsty, or you can just open it up and let it go. Just open it up, let it flow all the time. You see that well is constantly flowing, but they could put a spigot on that tap and just kind of turn it on when you want a spurt of water to drink. <laughs> you know how it is. Remember the drinking fountains at, at, at uh, school? You'd open up, it would shoot out. Exactly. 
So your drinking fountain, uh, your, your, your uh, artesian well, could be a drinking fountain or it could be an irrigation system. And the Lord says it's entirely up to you what that artesian well is going to be. But what is church? Church is the artesian well of God. It's an artesian well. That's what he wants us to be. Can you say amen? amen. So when we ask the question, where does church come from? And we get that in our mind about the artesian well. Where does church come from? Jesus said, out of your heart or out of your innermost being is where the flow. That's where church comes from. It's out of your heart and out of mine. Can you say amen? amen? So let's say it like this. The artesian church is the church full of artesian Christians. So this morning I want to focus on the artesian Christian. Because an artesian church isn't one that preaches about the living water. The artesian church is the one whose people flow with the living water of the Holy Spirit. So you don't, you know, you could drive by a church that says, we are charismatic or we are Pentecostal. We believe in the, the moving of the Spirit of God. And, but it's, whether that's really an artesian church depends on if there's any flow going on. And the flow isn't flowing because of their doctrinal position. It's flowing because the people open up the tap and let it flow during the service. If you were to visit a church that said, we're an artesian well, and you went three times, and all three times there was no flowing of the Spirit, you would have to say, well, they're artesian in advertising. If you went to a well, if you were thirsty and went to a well that said, there's a well that you can go to and get some, and you went there and there was no water to drink, they said, oh, but there's water under the ground. If you can't drink it, it's as good as not being there. So even though the Lord is here, if it's not flowing where people can drink, what good is it? It's as good as Him not being here. So is Jesus Lord? Yes. Has He saved the lost? Yes. But if we're not there with the flow flowing out of us, nobody's going to get saved. People don't get saved until some Christians open up the tap and let the Lord flow. Can you say amen? Amen. So that's what God wants our church to be, flowing. People that are flowing in the Spirit of God. And that means when we think of where does church come from, we're thinking more not in terms of attendance, but in terms of openness. Instead of attending church to see what God might do, let's instead come together and be open unto the Lord. Open our mouths, lift up our hands, pour out our hearts, and we'll see what God will do. Amen. Instead of coming and remaining closed and seeing if God will do something. Because God isn't going to do anything unless we open up and let Him flow. Where does church come from? People, church does not come the heavenly realm we like to talk about does not come from the mystical atmosphere. It comes from where? Let's say it together. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The living water is the church. Out of your heart will flow the rivers of living water. So this heavenly realm we talk about, I hear people say all the time, we got together and we prayed and we were praying, 
And uh, suddenly the atmosphere was charged and the Lord came into the room. And I, I just, I could just in my, I have a little bit of a, a weird sense of humor. And in my weird sense of humor, I could hear somebody saying, did you see which way he came from? Did anyone see the door? He is, I mean, where did he come from? Because we're going to get there and stop him so we can bottle him up and keep him. But we, we have in our mind this notion that if we come together and we create certain spiritual conditions, that God will come in through the atmosphere. But the heavenly realm that we refer to is not the atmosphere that we create through our singing or whatever else we're doing. It's the atmosphere of your mind, the atmosphere of your heart. It's the atmosphere you've got up here when you walk through the doors. That's why I like to have a quiet prayer time before church so people can come in and if they need to change the atmosphere in their hearts and mind. <laughs> Hello. I mean, if we want the Lord to flow in the service, what do we need to do? We need to sometimes change that atmosphere a little bit. It's not this atmosphere. It's not putting on the soft music and dimming the lights. It's changing the atmosphere up here. Somebody say praise the Lord if you know what I'm talking about. The heavenly realm. It's your hearts and minds. It's your hands and mouths open to the Father. That's the heavenly realm, not some mystical atmosphere. In fact, I don't trust the mystical atmosphere because Jesus said Satan is the prince of the power of the air. The Lord doesn't move through the atmosphere. He moves through his people. Where did Jesus say you could find the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is within us. Let me say to you about, since I'm preaching to artesian Christians, let me say to you about the artesian church. When we come together, let God flow. It's the artesian church. If God speaks in the service, it'll be through your mouth. If the Lord heals, it'll be through your hands. If He flows through the service, it'll be from your hearts. So if your mouths are not open and your hands not available and obedient, if your hearts are closed, no speaking, no healing, no flowing. Because if the Lord speaks, heals, demonstrates and flows, It'll be from you, through you, or it will not be at all. Do you understand? And you need to come together with that mentality. Instead of coming and saying, oh, the pastor can flow. You don't want a drinking fountain. You want an irrigation system. Praise the Lord. You don't want just the anointing that, that one person is enjoying because they're flowing in the Lord. We, we need a river of life. Hallelujah. Now, this week I want to talk, uh, use my last few minutes to talk a little bit about the uh, artesian Christian and if God is, is needing to flow through us, what kind of condition we need to be in for Him to flow. Next week, I'll share a little bit about the volume of the flow and the power and the volume of God's flow. But I want to talk about if we are going to start at the point when we ask the question, what is church to be? If we're going to start by saying, well, church is an artesian well, and an artesian well is simply a gathering of artesian Christians, then we need to think, first of all, 
that the hearts and the lips of artesian Christians must be clear of obstruction. Our hearts, our lips, our hands, our feet need to be willing and obedient so that the living water of the Holy Spirit can flow through us. That's the first thing I thought of when God spoke to me about the artesian well. I just dropped to my knees and I said, Precious Father, forgive me for the obstructive way in which I have carried myself. Forgive me for my lips have been like a shut-off faucet, my heart filled with rocks and stony. I have been a clogged pipe rather than an open well for you to flow through. When the Lord said, church is an artesian well, I knew immediately that Jesus, hallelujah, has, has plugged us in to himself. But we can allow ourselves to become clogged, can't we? And so the first thing we need to do is realize that the Lord is always moving, always wanting to rise up. Out of your belly should flow rivers of living water. But if that flow isn't happening in a particular church, it's because the artesian Christians, the people, the people of God in that body, need to let him flow in their personal lives, in their individual lives. Praise the Lord. The first verse that I thought of personally when I, when I thought about myself, it might apply to you too, so I'm going to share it, is James chapter 3, that great chapter um, about the tongue. And the verse 9 through 11 simply says, With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring, we look at our picture there, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh water and salt water? If you combine fresh and salt water, what do you get? Salt water, brackish water. We live in Florida, we know all about the brackish water. If the well that is bringing fresh, blessed, living waters, all of a sudden shifts to another source and now it's bringing forth water filled with typhoid and contamination. Would you feel confident to drink out of it? When you meet a Christian that opens their mouth and contamination and typhoid comes out, when you hear typhoid on people's lips, when you hear, when you hear malaria, coming out of their mouth, when you hear sickness, when you hear disease, when you hear the world, when you hear sin, see it upon their lips, do you feel safe to drink that water? No. No. He says, my brethren, these things ought not to be so. Could I put it to you like this and say, these things cannot be so. It is impossible that the same well is going to bless God and at the same time curse men. I immediately went to my knees. I said, Lord, I'm an obstructionist. I'm not, a, I'm not a well out of which the living water's flowing. I've been obstructing the move of the Spirit. I may watch uh, uh, TV or listen to the radio and hear them commentate about some of the nuttiness that's going on in the world. And then all of a sudden, bloop, 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 blooper, bloopers <laughs> coming forth out of the man of God's mouth. 
And then I think that rise and be made whole is also going to pour out of that mouth. It cannot happen. It's not that the Lord says, oh, I'm, I'm tired of, I don't love you anymore, you've disappointed me. He's just said, you, you've switched well, so it, it can't happen. Are you listening to me? So I'm not, I'm not talking to me now, I'm talking to all of us. If we want an artesian church, we must be artesian people. It's just that simple. Oftentimes, people in a church might think, well, I don't have a great ministry in this church. I'm not really significant. In fact, I've, I've tested it, and I've stayed home three weeks this month. And, the ch and I heard the church still, they didn't shut the doors. They still go on. So I know that they, they'll go on without me. They don't need me. But people do that all the time. I, you know what? They, that church, they don't really need me because I, I don't go, and they still carry on. And if enough people think like that, then I don't care whether you've got 10 or 10,000 people, there's not going to be any flow of the Holy Spirit. See, every one of us need to realize that we're significant, important, not because of the job we have in church. Oh, I'm a counselor, or I'm a teacher, or I play in the music ministry, or I'm in charge of this, or in the ministry of helps. Not because of the job in church we have, but because we are part of the body of Christ. It's not how the pastor or other people see you, it's how God sees you. If God has planted you in a church, then you're part of that artesian well. Do you know you have a responsibility to Him? God expects you to be not there physically, but there spiritually. You are a well, and God wants that living water to flow through you. There are people that need to, need to hear Jesus and you may be the very voice that they will hear him through. Listen, if you think that the pastor is the one that leads everyone to Jesus, you are sadly mistaken. Sometimes when you listen to people give their testimonies, I love listening to them because they'll say, oh, you know, I was sitting in church for a year or two, and, but finally this one person talked to me this one Sunday in the back and something they said just cut through everything. And that was it. I knew God was dealing with me and they gave their life to the Lord. You know, it's every one of us must be available to let the Lord flow through us. And so we need to be open. It is your open mouth, your open hands, your open heart to the Lord. And the, the artesian well, like I said, is not just a once a week water fountain. God wants it to be an irrigation system, but that is up to us. We're the ones who decide if this is a seven-day-a-week artesian well, or if this is a one-day-a-week artesian well. God doesn't decide that because you know what? That water has the same pressure seven days a week, 24 hours a day. The Lord is, D.L. Moody said over 100 years ago, Jesus is one big pent-up revival. And He is. The Lord is always seeking a, 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 an opportunity to move. And like any water with any force of flow, it always seeks the place of least resistance. If the Lord isn't flowing through me, it's because I have been the place of the most resistance instead of the least. He's always, he'll go around you to find the person that will allow the flow of his spirit to flow through. The water seeks the place of least resistance. Can we say today, if nothing else, Lord, I want to be the place of least resistance. 
I want to stop being the place of the most resistance. If that's you, I want you to put your hand on your heart right now and say, Lord, I want to stop being the place of the most resistance. I want to be the place of least resistance so your living water can flow through me. So that was mine. When I cried out that day and the Lord spoke to me about this, I said, oh Lord, I, I want to stop being an obstructionist and start being open and let you flow. Can you say amen? amen. The Lord is calling us out into the world. If you heard that prophetic word the Lord spoke earlier in the service, then you know God is saying, don't listen to the prophetic naysayers who are saying it's the dark hour and all, everything's about to go to hell in a handbasket and the Lord is getting out of here while the getting's good. The Lord is pulling His feet in under the sheet. The Lord is curling up His, his feet. The Lord is locking Himself into the little church cave and letting the devil have the world. That's not true. God is, is wanting to move and when times are dark, the Lord is wanting to move all the more. Hallelujah. And so, you and I are called, since the Lord says we can't curse men, and bless God. Is there a lot to curse men about today? Yes, there is. There, men are presenting today an incredible amount of justified criticism of the behaviors of men. Absolutely. However, you and I are called to speak things that are higher than what is simply true and better than what is simply right. I think a lot of Christians feel justified to say, well, it's true. My, my, my point, my, con my condemnation of that person or that situation, harsh as it may sound, it's true. And we justify the things we say because they're right or they're correct or they're true. But we are called to speak honor, not just what is true, but to but to speak honor. Truth is higher than what is true, and righteousness is better than what's right. You could be right, but you might not be righteous. And you could say things that are true, but it may not be the capital T, truth. 2 Timothy 2, 20-21 says, Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of clay, some of honorable use, and some dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. Everyone said, I want to be a vessel for honorable use. If, he clean, if you cleanse yourself from what's dishonorable, then you will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Yo, so you see, the living water is in you. If you're saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, that living water is wanting to flow through you. And the Lord isn't picking people arbitrarily who He wants to use. He's calling people who are willing to live honorably. And how do you live honorably? We're not talking about going around like Miss Goody Two-Shoes and bragging, even if it's to yourself or to other people, and, you know, about how you don't do this and you don't do that. And 
But what we're talking about is we're talking about living for the higher honorable calling that God is calling us to. Can you say amen? See, we are called to be honorable, not to be right, not just to speak what is true, but what is honorable. The world can editorialize. Let them. They can editorialize and comment about what is right and what is wrong, but only we can bring life. That is something that I think the Christian today needs to recapture a vision for. Anybody can get up as a Christian and commentate and editorialize and say, well, that's wrong and that's right. But people of the world can do that, and they can be right, they can be wrong. But what is it that you and I are called to do? We're called to give life. We are called to speak honor. Honor speaks of things that are higher than what is true and better than what is right. It speaks of things that are redemptive. Jesus is the head of all honor because he is the redeemer. Do the words that you speak, do they bring honor to Jesus because they are redemptive? They bring the Lord's redemptive power into a situation. You and I can comment about how messed up the world is and be absolutely right. We could say this is what people ought to do and this is what they need to stop doing. We could be absolutely right. But until we come before the Lord and cleanse ourselves and let the living waters of, of restoration and healing flow and speak what is honorable, life will not take place. And God, is, God has called you to be a life bringer. That's your ministry is to be a life bringer. Out of your belly shall flow what? Rivers of what kind of water? Living. What kind of water? Living. What kind of water? Living. Bubbling up full of life, redemptive living water. So why should I keep myself from, why should I keep my hands, my mouth, my mind, I don't even want that stuff clogging up my mind. Now, that doesn't mean I don't want to think about what's going on in the world around me, but how I think about it and what I say about it has to do with whether I'm walking in honor or whether I'm just kind of being a Christian in the world. I want to be that vessel of honor, don't you? Yes. Hallelujah. We are called to be life bringers. Now, I told you we were going to have one other time opportunity to pray, and now is that time. I'd like you to just, if you've got your Bibles, close them up or turn off your device. Let's stand together. We have a decision before us right now that has presented itself through what I've just shared with you in the Word. And that is, do I want to be a life bringer? Let me say to you that if you're a Christian, there is no other option. You are called to be a life bringer to bring life to every situation that you are in. And you know what's wonderful about it is you can be that woman, you can be that man. You, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't depend on what your temperament is or your own problems. The Lord can take care of that. The grace of God can help you. Are you willing? The Bible says if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. All Jesus is asking of you, are you willing to put him first? 
Are you willing to let him be Lord of your life and put him first? He'll make you into that vessel of honor. You might think today, I don't look very honorable and my behavior has been this way or that way, but the Lord in his righteousness will cleanse all that. Are you willing to be a vessel? Are you willing to say, Lord, I'm an artesian Christian. I want to stop holding back the anointing. I want to let the anointing flow. Lord, I am willing. That's our question this morning. And if the answer to that is yes, then I want to include you in our closing prayer. And I said earlier, if you have a need in your body, I never separate Jesus who brings forgiveness from Jesus who brings healing. It's the same Jesus. I never separate Jesus who offers grace to help us in our spiritual needs or mental needs from Jesus who brings deliverance from our physical needs. So if you have a physical bondage or impediment going on right now in your life, I want you to present that as you